I, I, I want to tell you just a little bit about myself as we get into this. I, I didn't expect to be doing this. Look, I, I went to Bible college, but it's because everybody else was going. But the Lord was subtly using that. I went into the Air Force, come out, finished Bible college. And, uh, you know, I, I, I finally, through Pastor Stevens and a mutual friend that I'd grown up with, I met a young lady that, the, you know, the Lord said, chase ye after her. And by the way, hey, you, you guys, let me tell you something. You know, be praying for good grades. Be praying that your bill gets paid. But more than anything else, you be praying that the Lord leads you to the lady you're supposed to marry. Now, there might be a few of you, you're sitting here, and you're going, I, I don't know, that's, that's not my big need. Look, you talk to your Greek teacher. There's a Greek term for that. It's called stopin. <laughs> you ask Tim Schmidt, and Tim, you know I'm right. Where's the camera? It's, yeah, you know. Tim couldn't do what he's doing without Megan, and he knows it. So for those of you that are sitting there going, I know better than you. Yeah, all right, I love it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Listen, before we go any further, let's pray, and then we'll keep going. Right, amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would guide. Thank you for this time. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the men and the women that occupy places of leadership in this Bible college. Lord, I pray that you would help them, guide them, protect them, empower them. And now, Lord, these young people here, they don't know how important they are to your calling. They need to know. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes that they may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray in Christ's name, amen. So I graduated, 1976, and went to, went to work for about a year for Lockheed, refueling aircraft, because I worked with aircraft in the Air Force at uh, SFO, San Francisco Airport. And then I started working on an all-Christian concrete crew. It was great. I mean, the city of Walnut Creek thought we were the best concrete crew in Northern California, and we were. I mean, we did good work. But everybody, you know, led, led guys to the Lord as they came on. And it was really, it was really neat. Got involved in a church plant. And uh, boy, I mean, it was so good. My wife and I got married in 1980. And so making good money, I had a backhoe, Massey Ferguson 30B front loader with a Gannon box. And I could fly everywhere on that. Had a, um, uh, a Case 580CK. Uh, backhoe, had an F-750 bobtail dump, you know, on a triaxle trailer. I mean, and, and I parked it all by the side of my house. It was great. Making good money. It was fantastic. Pouring concrete really was good. Of course, I've had to replace the joints in my body, but nobody talks about that. But <laughs> then, you know, God just started dealing in our lives. My wife, I mean, she was, she is brilliant speaks English and Spanish. She taught both. I mean, mine was one of those situations where I, I tell people she graduated who's who, I graduated who's he. You know, it's just, it's the, it's just the way it is. Pastor Stevens really missed, really missed her. You know, I pulled him away from the ministry there. He 
kind of tease us about it. But our first daughter came along. And we called him the next week. I, I had been, just the week before, just the week before, we'd been working, we'd been pumping a, a, a foundation in Martinez, California. And, we, you know, we're pumping along. I was just, you know, it's just how many of you have ever done concrete? Okay, this, all right, excellent. Uh, so we're pumping along, you know, we're just talking. And, and I said, you know, I'd like to teach in a Christian school. And I did, I, I, I mentioned it. I always wanted to work with young people. I thought I would be, for the rest of my life, I'd be a youth pastor. <laughs> Can you see this face still working with youth? You know? <laughs> the very next week, so I, I said that, we were pumping. Very next week, we called Pastor Stevens. I was hoping he was going to be here. The very next week, we called Pastor Stevens in Maryland to let them know that our oldest, Heather, was born. And he said, I want you to come work for me. What? Now, to make a long story short, we didn't go that year. We started a school at the, Christ at the church that I was at there in Antioch, California. But the next year, went down there, and I taught all the Bible classes, junior high and high school, 135 students. That was absolutely fantastic. Between that and Pastor Stevens with his preaching, and he didn't know how much he was teaching me about preaching, the Lord, you know, he, I, he's, he's just showing me stuff. Now, we had done a lot of Bible study and preaching, and we're going back and forth with each other, you know, on the concrete crew. And I got there, you know, I'm teaching and I was given out this much. I mean, all of a sudden, my soul, the kids had to listen to me because I was going to test them on it. <laughs> so I'm giving out that much, but I'm so excited and so busy, I'm only taking in this much. You don't want to do that. I said, you don't want to do that. It started really draining me. But God helped. He guided learned more, went, to, went from there to a little town just south of the Bay Area, Hollister, and I was a youth pastor there for three years and also working in the Christian school. The pastor who was there, who happened to be a World War II fighter pilot, he was, he was up, <laughs> I was going to say he was up in years, he, he, was, he was the same age as I am now. I got to preach for him time and time and time again. In three years, I went out of there averaging four out of every seven Sundays. I mean, I'm serious. I can't, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. This is great. Now, with some men, I mean, it just, you know, it, it was in their DNA from the beginning. The Lord had it there. I'm like a little kid on Christmas Eve. It's great. I went to work for a teacher that I had when I was in high school. And then one day I wound up hearing about a place in North Highlands that needed a preacher. By the way, I'm not going to be living forever. That church is going to be needing a preacher again. You need to be thinking, young men, you need to be thinking 
about, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest mission fields in the world. It's called California. Yeah, but if I go there, I can't have the Second Amendment. Well, if it'll make you feel any better, I have concealed carry. Not here. In California. Well, yeah, but it's so expensive. Yeah, I know. They erase that, you know, my God shall supply all your need. Now, guys, in all seriousness, you need to be thinking, you need to be thinking about right here. Time and again, churches, I know of two churches right now that we are near and dear to our hearts that need preachers right now. And we need them with the balance that comes from this place when it comes to preaching, music, all of that. Ambassador nails it. So you start asking God, you start telling God, first of all, Lord, I am thine and all that I have. You surrender and say, Lord, I'm open to anything. That's something that we wind up hesitating on if, you know, if we really get serious with ourselves. So I got into the ministry, long story short, I became pastor April of 1991 for Faith Baptist Tabernacle. It was absolutely fantastic. I'll never forget the second week I was there, I, I sat down on the steps there on the platform and I looked at the auditorium, big auditorium, not quite as big as this, but it's a good size. And I'm going, Lord, I can't believe this. I mean, there's other guys, they're looking all over the place for property. I've got six acres of land and, and, and an auditorium, yeah, there's problems. You know, we've got things to fix, but we've got the pink slip to the place. Lord, what am I supposed to do with this place? And immediately, it was like I heard this voice inside, fill it. So that's what I started working on doing. I'm going to fill this place. And you know, praise God, it was great over the first year. You know, it started going in, and then it exploded. We had military people there. Like I said, uh, my background is Air Force, McClellan Air Force Base. Our church is literally one half mile north of end of runway of McClellan. I had F-16s and F-111s banging burner over my church all the time. Yeah. Oh, man. Had Chuck Cofty there one time. And we're walking in between the buildings, and F-15 came over, you know, and he looked at me, and he said, the sound of freedom. Oh, yeah, that was great. But, you know, it's amazing how ever so subtly you can, you can lie to yourself. You can be wooed into a situation, and all of a sudden you start, you're, you're hurting, and things start going awry. Look at Psalm 73. Look at verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now look up at me. You know what's great? At this stage, I can look you in the eye and I can tell you this. God is good. He is only good. 
I mean, and by the way, I love your theme, Dr. Comfort, clean and pure. You know, hey, for those that take that stand, that, you know, I, you know I, setting aside the weights and the besetting sins, God says, I'll bless. Truly, truly, God is good to Israel. He's good to his people, even to such as are of a clean heart. But now look at verse 2. See, he just expressed confidence, but now he's got a confession. Look at the first phrase, but as for me. Now, you young people, you listen to me. You're learning here, okay? How many, of, how many of you, you learn pretty easy? Raise your hand. How many of you are like the rest of me? Like me, I should say. You know, something, it just gets thick. If you don't believe it, ask my wife. But as for me, about the late 90s, I started having problems. I went into depression. And then I went into deep depression. I didn't understand it. I was having panic attacks in the pulpit. I couldn't wait for the service to be over. I didn't want to be at the church. And I'm thinking, I've got to be the only one that has ever gone through this kind of thing. I didn't realize that there was a man by the name of Asaph that, boy, he struggled. Now, my struggle might not have been exactly like Asaph's, and yours might not be the same as that. Or the same as mine. But let me tell you, there's at least one young person in this building who down the road, Satan's going to start toying with you like he did with me when he said, when, you know, I, I believe he just, you know, impressed me with it. Oh, what do you do with this place? Fill it. And so I'm working and I'm doing great in the flesh because, you know, there's all kinds of programs and you know, things that you can do and stuff. But what about the Holy Spirit? What about absolute surrender? Well, weren't you there, preacher? I thought I was. I told myself, but there was so much to learn. There winds up coming a time when there are things that need to come to the surface in your life that maybe you don't recognize now, but you will And the Lord will help you realize, you know what? There's a besetting sin here. That was his confession. But as for me, now there might be, you you might have teachers here that can give you better perspective on this. But to me, as, as I, you know, in recollecting over the years and such, I kind of see this. Observation and experience. The Lord wants to use that in our life to teach us. When we were in Israel, I remember being there by the Sea of Galilee, and they said, this is where Christ taught the Sermon on the Mount. 
Well, what was he doing? Observation. Look at the trees. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers of the field. Observation. But then there's also experience. The, the, the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Seeing Christ do the miracles. The experience of being sent out and coming back and saying, Lord, you know, even, even the, the demons, they're subject to us. But Satan also has the ability to take observation and experience and twist it the very same way he did in the garden. You know, in fact, before we go any further, I want you to just write down this real quick because I want you to remember this as we're going through. This is how the Lord will teach you. I, um, I went to see a dear friend who has been uh, a counselor. He was a pastor for 16 years. Then he wound up being a counselor to evangelists, pastors, missionaries, so forth. By the time I saw him, he had, uh, he had counseled almost a thousand of us. I'll, I'll never forget that. I told him the story about when I was sitting on the, on, on the steps and, you know, I just felt that impression, you know, fill it. And he said, who told you to fill it? I couldn't believe it. You know, God didn't tell me to fill it. He builds his church. But we wind up coming up with all kinds of schemes because we want to have the big church. No. Young people, we need to do it God's way. Every time. Every time. Anyway, this is what I learned from him. And it's very simple. In Genesis 3, what were the first words out of Satan's mouth? Everybody say it. Yea, hath God said. First words. That has been his modus operandi ever since. He's going to come to you, and he's going to get you to doubt God's word. You know, did the Lord really mean that? Oh, I'll never fall for that. Yeah, neither would I. Neither would I. Matthew 4. Satan comes again. He's tempting Christ. Three times, how did Christ answer the wicked one? It is, say it again, it is written. Listen. I've got something right here. You know, for years, absolute years, I had my prayer list on my computer. Nothing wrong with that. Seriously, not, nothing wrong with it. But a couple of years ago, I decided, you know, I'm going to go hard copy. And uh, I, I took a thing that my son had bought for me. And so I took that which the Lord had been putting together on my computer and, and put it here. And it's basically, you, you boil the fat out of it, it comes down to this. Worship. Purpose, promises, people. 
First of all, you start out in worship. And I have certain verses I'll go through every time. But then I get reminded of my purpose. This is why I do what I do. I didn't see me doing this, but God called me. And so here I am. And you know something? God's called you. Here you are. Now codify that purpose. Get into the word. And then the promises, because I need, I need God's promises. I've got to have them. I, we, I'm telling you, I still, there, you know, I, I, I'm still going back and, and just reminding myself of that which God led me through. Worship, purpose, promises, and then people. I pray for my wife, family, church family, missionaries, pastors, certain days. And I tell you what, it's, it's great. But it took a journey. Look again to verse 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. You know, you never think you're going to get there. In talking to my friend, it was, it, was, it, it was amazing. That Monday morning we started, <clears throat> he looked at me and he said, Mike, in your heart of hearts, do you believe God loves you? And without hesitation, I said, no, and I meant it. You know what he said? Guys, listen to me. He said eight out of ten pastors he asked that question to say the same thing. Guys where something, you know, Satan got into the cracks and all of a sudden it began to crumble and the feet are slipping. I have friends right now. Dr. Comfort, I can't imagine how many men that you would know. They're gone. They're, they're not there anymore. I've got guys that were my friends. I mean, best friends. They're out. Lives destroyed. You don't want to go there. Are you listening? You don't want to go there. Somebody, I am convinced, in this room right here needs this message. Maybe more than one somebody. You might, have be, you might be in a situation right now where you're thinking, you know, is, is God really for me? You know, I, I hear testimonies. I didn't, I, I didn't go through that. I'm kind of struggling on my view of God. Let me tell you, your view of God is the most important thing about you. Your view of God is the most important thing about you. It was distorted from the wicked one from day one. Yea, hath God said. But you know, Christ comes along. And suddenly, not only are we set free from sin, but we can have the renewing of the mind. But as for me, my feet were gone. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's challenge. Why? Look at verse 3. He's confused. Now, again, maybe you're not going to go through that. 
But you know, you just, no, no, confusion. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. We're going to be talking about a young man who fell for it right here tomorrow morning. But as for Asaph, I mean, the song leader, it's great. Guess what? For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. He started using superlatives. You know, they don't go through none of this. I've heard, again, of pastors that go through the same thing. I love trucks. I got me a half-ton Ram crew cab, 160,000 miles on it. I mean, that was my dad. My dad had Dodge. You know, I bleed Mopar. You know, I just do. So a guy in my church buys a brand new Ram Limited, three-quarter ton crew cab with the big, you know, the four-foot screen, you know, and everything. And he shoots me a picture of it and says, Pastor, can I take this to heaven? (laughs) I wanted to shoot him. (laughs) In Christian love. What is this? The the pharisaical row right here? Oh, yeah, I would never be like that. Antonio, take care of him after the service. (laughs) But, you know, we wind up looking at stuff, and it's like, you, you know, I, I, I can't do that. But you know what I get to do? I get to stand in front of some of God's greatest young people, and I get to preach. That's what I get to do. And by the way, he is a great one of our dearest friends. So that's why he let me drive it once. <laughs> but look at this. Look at verse 6. A distorted perspective starts coming. Therefore, pride cometh to them about as a chain. Violence cometh them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. I remember when I was going to Washington, D.C., and at first I thought, man, this is great. I get to go four times a year. I went for eight and a half years for American Association of Christian Schools. I'm flying from Sacramento to Washington. This is awesome. I've met three presidents. This is great. Then I got to the point where I went there, and I'd come back. I felt like I had to take an extra shower. I mean, it was just just sad. By the way, speaking of, like I said, I went there for eight and a half years. There were about 16 of us that went. You know, by the time eight years had gone by, six of us were out of the ministry. Now, again, guys, listen. The spiritual warfare is not a cakewalk. You will learn things. You must learn things in all seriousness. Don't know how this happened, but again, here is a young man, or here's a man... He's next to greatness. I mean, my soul, what he's doing in his ministry, but what's taking place in his heart. He says, I'm about ready to drop it. I'm about ready to lose it. I'm about ready to walk away from it. Look at verse 8. And again, just talk it. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. 
and their tongue walketh through the earth. Thursdays are the day that I pray for the governor of California. By the way, Gavin Newsom is not my enemy. He's my governor. I hurt for him. I pray for his salvation. I do not want to see him in his current condition as president of the United States. But let me tell you something. There is not a man on earth that carries the answer for America unless he has Jesus Christ in his heart, the scripture there, and he is preaching, thus saith the Lord. Guys, that's how important you are. And girls. But please understand what I'm going through, what what I'm trying to say. Look at verse 10. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? You know, there might be the wicked that go back. Ah, you know, God doesn't know. You know, just don't, don't, don't even try to give it. But then there's God's people. Lord, don't you realize what they're doing? Did you, look, Lord, look at, the, look, look at the, the, the laws that they're passing. Children are having their bodies butchered. Because some wicked, low-life teacher is telling them stuff behind the parents' backs. Young people, we are under judgment. We need to be preaching, teaching, and living like it. We have the answer. We have it. Look at verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Doctor, what time do I need to be done? 11.15? How many of you do not want to go to your next class? Okay. Now for my second message. No, I'm just kidding. He had a devalued sense of purpose. You know, verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. Now you listen to me. There were young people that I knew in Bible college and Christians from afterwards. It's not worth it. I'm walking. See ya. That happens. I can imagine that you might be thinking about a former student in this place that's not here now because they just thought, you know, too much. Too much. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Don't you quit. I'll sick Antonio after you. (laughs) A devalued sense of purpose. Verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I've been plagued, chastened every morning. I want to do what's right. Then I get up, you know, in the morning and I'm having my devotions and God reminds me of a sin that I committed the day before. (sighs) There winds up being, though, a time Boy, this is, you talk about pivot. This nailed me. Praise God, my wife and I have three children. But we got 12 grandkids too. If the Lord tarries and you got grandkids, let me tell you, I'm telling you what. And now our oldest is 18 years old. He's nine foot tall, I'm sure, somewhere up there. And God's called him to preach. Let me tell you something. 
you want to light Papa's heart on fire and make him charge hell with a squirt gun, absolutely. <clears throat> but there's a deep sense of pain. Look at this, verse 15. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Hey, young people, you've got kids in the church that you came from that are looking, out, looking up to you. And it's like, you know, I, he said, I, I, can't, I can't do this. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. You know, and, and you wind up in a crisis big time. But look at this. All of a sudden, here's the change. You watch it. Look at verse 17. I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I. There end. Now, now look. This is what you do, and then we'll close. You get with God, and you remember that you carry in this book the infallible, inerrant, no equal word of God, and it has the answers. Yea, hath God said. I'll tell you this and I'll be done. Again, I was meeting with this man and uh, Monday morning, he asked me that question and I said, you know, yeah, I don't believe, so, you know, I don't believe God loves me. So we wound up meeting back and forth, this and that. Wednesday afternoon, it was just he and I in his office and we were chatting. Honestly, I can't remember what we were talking about. But all of a sudden, boom! I exploded out of the chair and I said, I can't believe it. I'm the classic double-minded man. He laughed and he said, when did God show you that? I said, just now. He said, go back to your room and write down other lies of the devil that you believed. I wrote down 12. God just opened my eyes. When I was meeting with him, I found out that there were other guys that I went to college with. He didn't give me the names, but guys that I went to college with that went through the same thing and much worse. But I'm here to tell you, I sat down in that room. I took the lies of the devil and I wrote down the scriptures that countered every lie. And I learned them. And I meditated on them. And I prayed over them. And you know something? Truly, God is good. Even to such as are of a clean heart. Get it down. Your experience from God's viewpoint that you'll see from his sanctuary being with him, you will learn that the experience and the observation teaches you. I believe that Asaph wrote his conclusion at the very beginning, and then he went through what he went through. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree, but from my experience and my observation, truly, God is good. Even to such as are of a clean heart.
it's worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your will be done. And these young people, thank you. We love them. Lord, I pray that you'd work in their lives as you work through mine. In Christ's name, amen.